Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. This is your host, Mitch Friedman, joined by Par, if you missed the previous episode, that's Par Excellence, also known as Jeff Olson, sound engineer. And in this episode, I want to talk about the successful Christian life. And so to couch it another way, I would, I would title maybe, what is a proper disciple or who is a proper disciple? Uh, we are called to be disciples. We are called to make disciples. What are the characteristics of a disciple? How do you know when you have the proper framework or perspective on the way a successful disciple is living a successful Christian life? And, and it seems if you look uh, at what I would call current discipleship cultures uh, in, in the world in a global Christian perspective, there seems to be two distinct voices. Now, there's probably some subs of each of these categories. But in a general way, the successful Christian life has a Western and an Eastern expression. Uh, the I would call the Eastern expression uh, the voice of the martyrs. And I'm not talking about Eastern United States. I'm talking about the Eastern geography of world Christianity, uh, Asian, African, uh, uh, Sub-Saharan, uh, which would be African, uh, and other places, uh, Indo-European, that are uh, what we call generally hostile to the Christian faith. And so the first distinct voice that I'll, I'll discuss is the voice of the martyrs. And then the second voice, which is more of a Western voice, I would call in a sort of a uh, sarcastic way, which is a second language for me, or maybe a primary language. I would call that the voice of the marketers. So the voice of the marketers versus the voice of the martyrs when it comes to defining the successful Christian life, uh, a life of successful, uh, Lord-pleasing discipleship. And so let's start with the, uh, the voice of the martyrs. Uh, we subscribe, the Freedmen subscribe to the Voice of the Martyrs magazine. And we give, uh, I think generously, to the Voice of the Martyrs ministry. And what you should understand is uh, there are more martyrs. A martyr is described as someone who gives their life uh, for the faith or for a cause. And as far as Christian martyrs, uh, there are more and more, and I mentioned this before, there are more and more martyrs every year around the world, uh, people who die for their faith. They refuse to recant, refuse to renounce and go to their physical death, uh, claiming and holding tight to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the, the cool thing about the Voice of the Martyrs, and I recommend it to you, I'm holding the latest copy here, and I'm going to do an extended reading uh, from one of these uh, martyrs, or one of these voices. Uh, this is actually a potential martyr, and may be martyred in the future, someone who came close to uh, maybe that, that final expression of faith, um, but the good thing about this magazine is it, it realigns the Western perspective where we're kind of marketed uh, Christianity and we're told of all the benefits 
uh, if we subscribe to this marketing pitch. Does that sound pessimistic? I'm looking down the table at Jeff. Uh, but they, I'm sorry if it does. There are definitely two distinct ideologies or philosophies of Christianity that are offered by each of these voices, voice of the martyrs and the voice of the marketers. And the voice of the martyrs is helpful uh, to me because I need to be realigned with what the majority of church history has been and what the biblical witness says is a life of successful discipleship. So let me start with a story uh, from the voice of the martyrs. And you decide for yourself whether this is a successful Christian living. Uh, this is uh, a geographic story from Pakistan. And the reading begins. I'm going to try not to jump in and maybe exposit what, <laughs> what I'm reading. Uh, that's a tendency of mine that can kind of get in the way sometimes. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Huh? I was just reminded by par excellence that this is my podcast and darn it, I can do whatever I want to do. So how do you like that? That sounds like a Western perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, here we go from Pakistan. The eight young Christians chatted excitedly in the back of their van as they headed toward far Western Pakistan near the border with Afghanistan. They had just completed a three month discipleship course and were setting out on their first ministry trip. Then, on December 24th, their van had a flat tire near a local market. Knowing that people who lived in the area were Muslims and that many struggled with drug abuse, they distributed leaflets about Jesus Christ while their tire was being repaired. As a group of men gathered around a believer named Harun, he eagerly told them about Christ's love for them and encouraged them to place their faith in him. Several people stepped forward to receive literature. But then one of the other Christians, Atish, noticed several men pushing their way through the crowd toward them. Come with us now, the men demanded. They were members of the secret police. After ransacking the van, the authorities put five of the eight Christians, which was all of the men, into a car and drove them to a local police station. The rest of the group, three Christian women, followed in another vehicle. Police took all of the Christians' belongings, their bags, computers, Bibles, and SD cards. Scared and shocked, the young Christians began to pray. This was the first time they had experienced such opposition for their faith. Police led the five men into a room and began to interrogate them. Did you come to spread Christianity here? One of them asked. You want all people to become Christians. After an hour of verbal abuse, some armed soldiers arrived and repeated the same accusations. You came here to spread Christianity, they insisted. Then, compounding the Christians' fear, the soldiers put burlap bags over their heads and loaded them into a truck, leaving the women at the police station. At about midnight, they arrived at a new location where, still blindfolded, the interrogations continued for several more hours. In the early hours of the morning, around 4 a.m., the young men were loaded back into the truck and taken to yet another location. There, the soldiers hit their legs with a stick to make them talk. Harun was scared. As the group's leader, he was responsible for the students. Please help us, God, he prayed. After several more hours of one-on-one -on -one interrogation, 
the five believers were led into a room and ordered to sit down. Each following day was the same, interrogations and beating. If you accept Islam, I will forgive you, the interrogator told Harun. But if you don't accept Islam, we will kill you. We will cut you up with a knife and throw you in the river. Harun replied, I am ready to die. I will not leave Jesus Christ. He is my Savior, and I am his son, and he will get me free. The five men were kept in dark cells where they slept on a hot concrete floor. They were whipped, beaten with sticks, kicked, and forced to stand on one leg or remain in one position for hours at a time. During their beatings, they could hear the cries and screams of another captive in a nearby room. When they insisted during the torture that they would remain faithful to the Lord, they were beaten even more severely. We were very scared, Atish said. They told us we would spend six or seven years in prison, and our families didn't know where we were. They got up at 5 a.m. each morning to pray together, and they maintained a regular schedule of fasting with a different man fasting each day. They prayed for the people of Pakistan, for their parents' comfort and strength, for perseverance, and for freedom. We were praying to the Lord. We don't know where we are, but please release your favor so that we can get out, Atish recalled. They also worried about what might happen to the three women in their group. We were praying for our sisters. After 52 days, the authorities again placed bags over the Christians' heads and loaded them onto trucks. They drove up a mountain, stopped the trucks, pulled the men out, and ordered them to kneel. Atish thought they were about to be killed. Instead, however, the soldiers told them to count to 500, climbed back into their trucks, and drove away. After waiting a minute, Atish lifted the bag from his head and saw that all of their captors were gone. We started praising and worshiping God, Harun said. That day was very exciting for me. God helped us and answered our prayers. After flagging down a passerby on the road, the five young men soon returned home. They were thankful to learn that, although the women had been kept at the police station for a week, they suffered only verbal abuse. Harun and Atish returned to ministry after their release, but Harun struggled with anxiety for months and both men still deal with fear as a result of their ordeal. I had bad dreams and worried about the same, that the same thing will happen to us, Harun said. Atis said he relies on faith and prayer to overcome his fear. Sometimes I become courageous, and sometimes it haunts me, Atis said. I would say that only prayer gives you strength in these trials. And although Harun's family tried to dissuade him from returning to mission work, he too is unequivocal in his commitment to serving the Lord. I am ready to die for Jesus Christ. So that's the voice of the martyr, or the almost martyr, or also maybe the martyr-to-be. Now, what you know of the biblical text and the call to discipleship would you say that their experience and commitment lines up with the voice of the master? 
because we have the voice of the martyr. We have the voice of the marketer that I will unveil from a Western perspective in just a second. But the only proper framework for determining the successful Christian life, a life of discipleship, is the voice of the master. So we've seen the, we've seen the Eastern persecuted perspective, the voice of the martyr on successful Christian living, successful discipleship. Now let me read a brief expose of a man named Creflo Dollar, who's a popular teacher of discipleship in the West. Now, if you recognize the name Creflo Dollar, uh, you'll know maybe if you have researched a little bit. He's a representative of what we call the Word of Faith branch of, of Protestant theology. And I'll let you examine for yourself uh, whether or not his definition of successful Christian living lines up with the biblical text. So this is from Tim Challies, who was a, uh, a competent, trusted writer, blogger, and commentator on all things faith and culture. And this is his, uh, uh, an excerpt of his article about Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar is one of the foremost proponents of what has become known as the prosperity gospel. This doctrine teaches that God has promised his people financial and other forms of prosperity in this life if only God's people will take the necessary steps to claim it. Now, I'm just going to pause right here and put yourself in Harun's and Atisha's shoes for just a second and imagine that this was a declaration of what you can expect as a follower of Jesus Christ if you only have enough faith or take necessary steps to claim it. Do you think it would be a completely foreign idea to Harun and Atish that this is attached to biblical discipleship? Tim goes on, A uniquely American creation, this false teaching has since been exported across the world where it has especially taken root in the developing world. In one of his Bible studies, Creflo lays it out. As the righteousness of God, your inheritance of wealth and riches is included in the, quote, spiritual blessings the Apostle Paul spoke of in Ephesians 1.5. Now, as a, as a man and a teacher committed to the proper exposition of the biblical text, I can say to you that in context, uh, Ephesians 1.5 has nothing to do with wealth and riches. Creflo goes on. Based on Psalm 112, verse 3, righteousness, wealth, and riches go hand in hand. You have every right to possess material wealth, clothes, jewelry, houses, cars, and money, in abundance. I'm now asking Harun and Atish for their input. That's me, Mitch, not Creflo. Clothes, jewelry, houses, cars, and money, in abundance. It is that wealth that not only meets your needs, but also spreads the gospel message and meets the needs of others. Now, that's an interesting twist on mission work. That's Mitch again. The Bible says, Creflo continues, that wealth is stored up for the righteous, Proverbs 13, 22. However, Creflo continues, it will remain stored up until you claim it. Therefore, claim it now. You possess the ability to seize and command wealth and riches to come to you. And he puts in parens, Deuteronomy 8.18. 
exercise that power by speaking faith-filled words daily and taking practical steps to eradicate debt. I put these words in highlights, Pinocchio Project consumers. Like God, you can speak spiritual blessings into existence. That sounds like something strangely akin to the conversation in the garden. You can be like God. Like God, you can speak spiritual blessings into existence. He quotes Romans 4.17. Remember, doubt keeps silent, but faith speaks. Now Tim continues here. The way such prosperity is activated is by the planting of seeds, so that the person who wants financial prosperity must plant a seed of financial prosperity. Needless to say, such seeds are usually through a donation to a ministry like Dollars. So it's appropriate that his name is Dollar, because uh, this is a marketing pitch. This is the voice of the marketer. A marketer wants you to buy what he's selling so that he can benefit. This is Creflo again. You can say, oh God, I need money. The rent is due. The baby needs shoes. And what about my breakthrough? That's a very common noun used in prosperity gospel teaching is I'm looking for my breakthrough. But what about my breakthrough? But, Dollar continues, if you haven't sown financial seed, how can you expect a financial harvest? If you wanted to grow apples, would you plant cucumber seeds or pumpkin seeds? You would not. So why do people expect to receive financial increase when they proposedly plant anything and everything but what is needed? They will plant hope seed, shout seed, dance seed, and even claim it seed. All these are good things, but alone and without the appropriate seed, they are unproductive. So we have two distinct understandings, one lived out by Harun Atish and his other friends from Pakistan, and then we have a Western perspective of your faith is the vehicle to affluence. These are so distinct, they are so polar, that they can't both be true. And a gospel that's not true for all people and for all times is not the gospel. And so, as I uh, alluded to, uh, the only voice that matters in this conversation is the voice of the master. And so, what is the successful Christian life according to the voice of the master, according to Jesus Christ? Uh, you could look at, really, the, the whole, the sum total of the New Testament and Jesus' words plus the words of the, of the writers of the other books. Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus was just about to, as... The text says in Luke 9:51, he turned his face like flint with resolve toward Jerusalem for the final time. And just before he did and was ready to march to his destiny, uh, the purpose for which he was sent, which was to take the sin of the world on him and be crucified with it and then be raised from the dead to prove his victory over sin and death as he, as he made that final turn with resolution into Jerusalem, he gave a, a forecast statement of what it meant to live the successful Christian life. Luke nine twenty three and 24, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Is that sound more like Harun and Atish or Creflo's message? 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Harun Atish or Creflo? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Creflo says we have a right to the whole world. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So these words of discipleship necessity, what it means to live successfully as a follower of Christ, do they resonate more with the voice of the martyr or the voice of the marketer? You're smart people. And more specifically, when it comes to the voice of the martyr being a more appropriate understanding of successful Christian living, in Matthew chapter 5, we call this uh, section here, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, we call it uh, Jesus's gift of the Beatitudes. It's all the blessed are you when, blessed are those when, blessed are those who. With a final Beatitude in verse 10 and verse 11, it's, it's kind of a, a, a complementary combined Beatitude in Matthew 5. This is the final Beatitude. You judge for yourself, martyr or marketer. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Martyr or marketer, which voice is most closely aligned to the voice of the master. And remember, especially Western church followers of Jesus, any gospel that doesn't resonate with all people in all places and all times is not the gospel. Live faithfully to the gospel, even unto persecution, even unto insult, even unto evil being done against you because then great is your reward in heaven. So rejoice and be glad. For the Pinocchio Project, Mitch Friedman, signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on the Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at pinocchiopod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening, and remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.